Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. I still want to know what you thought of uh, what you saw and what you've learned about the NFL. Buffalo Bills defensive back DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition in University of Cincinnati Medical Center. 503-417-7575 is the phone number. Uh, let's, uh, let's bring on our guest, uh, Tyson Alger of the I-5 Corridor. does a fantastic job covering sports up and down the I-5 Corridor. Tyson, before we get into... The Ducks, the Beavers, Washington, Washington State, all that stuff. Um, what did you make of DeMar Hamlin and uh, Monday Night Football and the events last night? It was uh, it was just a really sad and, and tough scenario. And I, I know a lot of the kind of the discourse online talked about a lot of, like, how the NFL handled it and how the coverage and who was saying what. But, I mean, I, I think it was really easy to get lost in kind of a lot of the noise that it was just like – you know, millions of people just watched a, a young, successful athlete have uh, an awfully dramatic and very, very serious situation in front of everybody. And I, I think it was just kind of shocking. And, you know, it, it really made me think of, and I don't want to, you know, go go too dark here, but the, the, yeah. the very first, the, the very, the very first uh, funeral I ever went to, I was about 16 years old and uh, a player from my high school team who had graduated and gone on to play for BYU uh, club hockey. Um, he had suffered a, a cardiac arrest in a game at BYU in 2006. Uh, he had taken a slap shot to the chest and it just timed it perfectly where it, it stopped his heart and he died right there on the ice. And it was somebody that I had grown up playing with. And I, yeah, it just, it just, it just took me to that moment in 2006 of, of being at a funeral because of a sport that like we all grew up in the club playing and, and that sort of thing. And it was just, uh, it was kind of a, a, a surreal moment last night. With the NFL, uh, you know, do you believe if this were a playoff game or the Super Bowl that they would have postponed? I don't think they would have postponed for that. You know, it, it, it's, you know, you've gotten a lot of back and forth on what the NFL actually said or what they didn't say, but like, I, I think that they were weighing the pros and cons last night of, of what it meant to them financially to cancel that game, which shouldn't have been a, an issue. But if there was more than just it being a Monday night game right on it, like I don't think the NFL has shown us anything uh, in the past that leads us to believe that it probably would have done the right thing there. But, in you know, I, I understand there's a, a lot more going on to, to moving and canceling and doing those things, and I think a lot of us, you know, realize when we're sitting at home and tweeting, but like there, there was, there was no way they should have kept playing that game last night. That, that would have been ridiculous. And it would have been ridiculous if it was a playoff game and it would have been ridiculous if it was a Super Bowl. I hated that they left that lingering for so long. Tyson Alger with us uh, covering sports up and down the I-5 corridor. Um, you know, the bowl season uh, for the Pac-12, I want to talk, get your thoughts on that a little bit. Uh uh, you know, the Ducks and the Beavers and the Huskies, all on the I-5 corridor, all turned in victories. The three victories in the Pac-12 came from came from your coverage area. 
Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a nice it was a nice plus for a change. You know, it feels like a lot of the time, you know, you come on for like the January post bowl game uh, obituary for the Pac-12, and it's like, oh, this game could have gone this way, or this win could have gone that way. But you know, not only did a team like Oregon, which wins its bowl games, you know, have have a nice showing, but Oregon State looked as good as Oregon State's looked all year. Uh, Washington looked great, and you know, I, I I just really think that the momentum is really shifting here kind of at least for this year onto the West Coast favor because with with the quarterbacks coming back, with the quarterbacks that have moved over to this region, like I a lot of times these bowl seasons kind of feel like an ending point, but I really do feel like for the Pac twelve that this is something that they can they can jump off of. Especially with it being the teams that are staying sticking around too. Like it would be it would be a kind of a kind of a weirder discussion if, if, you know, Oregon State and Washington had lost, but we're still celebrating, like, big U, U, USC or UCLA wins. Like, I think this worked exactly how the Pac-12 wanted it to uh, uh, this holiday season. DJ Uyunglele goes to uh, Oregon State. Bo Nix announces he's coming back to Oregon. What was the bigger development in your mind? Um, boy, that's that's a really tough question because we, we saw how bad Oregon – was this year when when Bo Nix wasn't healthy and, and thankfully for the Ducks it wasn't for a, a ton of time but um, you know he missed a play against Washington and they collapsed he wasn't healthy in the Oregon State game and they collapsed but you know all in, and so that leads me to believe that if they didn't have Bo Nix coming back next year and who knows if Dante Moore would have stayed or went like you would think it would be for the Ducks but Looking at Oregon State and what they have coming back, I mean, Oregon State was legitimately good quarterback play away from being in the playoff this year. They lose to USC by, what was it, a field goal? Uh, They lose to Washington after blowing a lead in the fourth quarter when they just needed some sort of passing attack. I think they threw for like 89 yards in that game. And even if you go to the Utah game where it looks like they got blown out, well, it certainly doesn't help that they threw four interceptions, one of those being a pick six. So, you know, with this roster coming back, with what Jonathan Smith has built in Corvallis, you know, I don't expect DJU to come in and be a Heisman candidate or to be the savior. But if he can even just replicate what he did, you know, the last three years at Clemson, uh, I think Oregon State goes into next season as a legitimate playoff contender. And, and looking at the Ducks, like, I just don't, I haven't seen enough improvement from their defense to, to even lead me down, down that path quite yet. Does the calculus change for... Oregon State as a favorite because I think they sort of enjoy being a bit of an underdog. They are they would be a favorite. Yeah, you know, is that a is that a challenge or is that a new thing for them to have to manage or uh, does uh, you know do you just embrace that as a hey that's part of part of winning that's what happens. I mean, it's definitely something that they're going to have to manage and embrace. I mean, like this year, like I can't imagine like Caleb Williams and and uh, Lincoln Riley were really anticipating much of a much of a matchup going into like a, a half stadium in Corvallis for that one. But that's that's what they got, and I, I do think Oregon State has kind of thrived a little bit on that with that like chip on your shoulder, we're going to catch you when you're not looking sort of mentality. But I just I think the way that they're built, especially with how good that defense was this year, like I just they just play consistent, you know, and they they're not reliant upon needing a, a you know a hot start from the offense or the quarterback to do this or that. Like they they won ten games this year without being able to pass the football, and and so I I think that if you're adding to that, like obviously it's going to be much different expectations this next year, but they also get some breaks in the schedule too. Um, 
I, I think it could be a problem being the team that's chased for, for some programs, but I, I'm really excited to see what Jonathan Smith does now that, like, I mean, the rebuild's been done for a couple of years. Now they're, they're at the point where they're, like, adding, you know, the, the suites and washing the windows and, and, and really making that thing uh, <laughs> making that thing shine. But it, it will be a fascinating year next year because, you know, again, it's hard to discount the Ducks, too. You know, they just put together another top 10 class, which is something that Oregon State doesn't come close to doing. And it's, it's just fascinating how these two teams have gotten to this point of success and, and talent without wall being constructed in very, very different ways. We're talking to Tyson Alger of the I-5 Corridor, the I-5Corridor.com. If you are interested in reading uh, more of Tyson, and you should be, he's covering the heck out of everything up and down I-5. Uh, let me throw a question at you. Uh, Pac-12 Media Day will happen next July. I'm going to guess they're going to hold it in Vegas, not L.A. But uh, let's say they give you a ballot, Tyson, and they say uh, pick the top three teams preseason, way too early, Tyson Alger poll. Who's one, two, three in the Pac-12 in football? I'm going to go the three teams we just talked about. I'm going to go Oregon State, uh, uh, Oregon, and Washington. I, I just think, or I, you know, I think Michael Penix is freaking phenomenal up in Seattle. And for them to go, what did they end up finishing with the bowl win, eleven and two this year after last year's debacle? After Mario Cristobal called them the worst thing that's ever happened to college football. Like for them to. For them to flip that, get that momentum, and then bring Penix back, like I, I think Washington is a team that, especially if you're an Oregon fan, like you really w- kind of want to watch what's happening here because I, I think the Huskies have long been kind of a, a sleeping giant, you know, and, and you know, especially especially as this conference has kind of turned into really realizing like how important recruiting is. Like if, if Seattle starts getting some wins and they get some momentum, like that's that's a pretty attractive place to recruit to. So. I, I just really like the stability of these three teams up here. I mean, obviously USC with Williams returning and the talent that they're bringing in, like they're they're gonna be a factor and they're gonna be in the mix. But like, again, we just saw this last week or we just saw yesterday what I think a lot of us who have watched USC all season know is like they can't play defense and they couldn't play defense the season before. They didn't get any better on that, and unless they actually like address that i just think a lot of the the rest of the conference is catching up so you know and you know here i'm saying that and i haven't mentioned utah and that seems like every time no utah Utah, usc fans are gonna be mad at you you know it's yeah yeah so you know the the with this pretty much guarantees the utes are going to be heading toward a third straight rose bowl next year but uh (laughs) that's 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 where that's where the corridor is sitting right now i5corridor.com tyson alger thank you for joining us i appreciate you man Hey, thanks so much, John. Happy New Year. There it is. You can subscribe to him, read him. He's gone rogue like I've gone rogue. Uh, Coming up, your phone calls, and Ryan in Portland's going to lead us off after the break. Uh, I want you to tell me what you made of the NFL. If this were a Super Bowl, would we be having a whole different conversation? Um, And, you know, look, I was proud of the coaches and the players last night because it was evident. You could tell. You know body language. I know body language. It was evident they were not playing. And it was just a matter of time before the NFL came to grips with the idea that even if they wanted this game to go on last night, even if for television dollars and whatnot they needed the game to be played, it wasn't going to be played. There was no way that the coaches uh, and the players were going to get out there and play it. And I was proud of the players for doing that. And and I thought a lot about the college players and the pro players that we've watched over the years and. You know, I I just I think there was a lot of good going on amid a terrible, terrible 
scary incident on the field. We'll talk about it. I want your phone calls on it. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.